I was found in an empty apartment by a policeman. I was apparently screaming my head off. Mm-hmm. And um, he then took me, they took me to a store that I was told that they took me to the doctor and they said, well, she looks like she's about one and a half. And I didn't speak then. Mm-hmm. So they gave me the birthday, um, January 1st, 1959. Oh, wow. And uh, so then they took me to the orphanage. And um, that's when they gave me my name. Uh, it was Chow, which was a very common surname, and Chu Ping, which is a flowering pot. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into episode 24 of the Learn With Laws podcast. On this episode, I spoke with Susan Lohman, who was the first internationally adopted person in Ontario. This conversation was amazing. Susan's story is so unique and incredible. She was abandoned in an apartment building in Hong Kong when she was a baby, was moved to an orphanage, and was later adopted at age four by a Canadian family. At the time, international adoption was a brand new concept in Canada, as up until that point, Canadians were only allowed to adopt other Canadians. In this conversation, Susan and I talked about her adoption story and some of the amazing anecdotes she has from that difficult transition into Canadian life, her thoughts about her biological family and what she would say to her biological parents if she were to ever meet them, advice for those who are trying to navigate the world of adoption, and advice for those who are figuring themselves out and trying to belong in a world where they stand out in every way. Susan's story is so compelling. She's experienced and learned so much on her trailblazing path, and I hope that you enjoy listening to her speak about it. Yeah, again, so thank you so much for being on my podcast. For our listeners, do you mind introducing yourself? So maybe like your name and what you do? Um, my name is Susan Lohman, and um, I've been a hairstylist for 43 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I am still working. I'm not retired yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I was the first to be adopted in Ontario from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. When they open up international adoption, yeah, that's so cool. So that's that's my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, you're the first person, not just from Hong Kong, but from anywhere other than Canada, right, to be adopted. Um, well, Stephen Baker opened up international adoption. Um, I just oh well, there was one other gal um, the year before I was adopted, and then um, then I was the second Canada. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, first in Ontario, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so can you tell me like the story of your whole adoption process? Well, my um, father worked for the Toronto Star, and um, he was doing uh, stories of refugee camps. And um, my parents had two children of their own. And they actually wanted to adopt another child. And um, because of his stories that he was doing, thought it'd be really nice to uh, adopt a a child. And they originally wanted to adopt a child from the refugee camps, but uh, they were told that they already had parents. So then um, he then was happened to be talking to his minister. Uh, They went to uh, an Anglican church at the time. And the minister said, well, there's actually an Anglican-run orphanage over in Hong Kong. And um, anyway, through my dad's story and uh, being a reporter for the Toronto Star, he was able to get some lots of information. And um, everything was done through Children's Aid then. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have adoption agencies like they have now. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's how the ball started rolling. Hmm. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. What made your parents want to adopt, and why did they want to adopt someone from a refugee camp? I think it's like I said because my dad 
you know, doing all these interviews over the refugee camps. Mm -hmm. And um, you read some of the old articles that he wrote, it was really sort of pulled on their heartstring. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they're very giving people, just wonderful people. And so I, I think, you know, my, my, I think my parents did try having a third one of their own, but um, she had some issues. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they, they decide they go this route instead. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So how did that change happen in Canada from only being allowed to adopt uh, Canadian kids to then being allowed to adopt children from other countries? That I'm not really sure how that change came because that was, um, uh, Diefenbaker did that change so i'm not sure that process or how that happened so that was the um, minister at the time yeah Stephen De- baker was the one who um allowed that mm-hmm. see at the time um when you when you uh, were supposed to um adopt you had to um you could not adopt internationally if there was a child available within within Canada or within the region. Mm-hmm. And um, so at the time when I was adopted, there was there was no children available to be adopted. Mm-hmm. So that's when they started to open up internationally because there was mm-hmm. so much more out there. Mm-hmm. That makes and that's sense. the understanding I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So yeah, your dad as a journalist, he was interviewing mm-hmm. people um, mm-hmm. like in refugee camps or people who worked in refugee yeah. camps? Yeah, okay. everything. Mm-hmm. And so that made mm-hmm. him want to adopt a, a child from mm-hmm. refugee camp. Hmm. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was sort of the process that I understood that mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know you were only four when you moved here, but do you, or what do you remember from your life in Hong Kong? Well, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I didn't remember a lot, um, but I went back in the early 80s. Oh, yeah. I decided I was going to go back, and I was taking a, a taxi with this tour guide who acted as my interpreter, and we're driving to the orphanage, and uh, I said, oh, we're just around the corner. And the taxi driver said, how do you know? There's, there's no signs here. How do you know? He says, I know, I know this, this, this road. And he said, that's weird. He goes, I come up here all the time. And the, the only sign is just around the corner at, at the entrance. Cause he was, you know, we explained to him that the first time I was going back and, and it was, it was kind of neat cause it was the road. And, and then when we got there, um, the social worker, young guy showed us around and I said, I know that building there. He goes, Yes, you would know that building because the age that you were uh, four, that's where they housed all the little girls and and uh, from newborns or up to a certain age, and you would have been in there. And that's and I used to always have these dreams about um, trees. Mm-hmm. I look in the back and always, and this building was surrounded by trees. And after that, I didn't have those dreams anymore. After oh I went there, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Wow, that's so, so cool. Yeah, just di- different things would come back. I go, oh yeah, I know that, or I know this, I know that, you know. So it's just different things. Hmm. What was it like seeing all of those things, like all of the things that you had been dreaming of, and yeah, that's what was that experience like? It was really, it was really neat. I, you know, like as as wonderful as my adopted family was here, you just want to, you want to find your roots. You want to find, you know, I wanted to find the foster family that had, uh, that had taken me in at one point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I wanted to find out the place where I was found. But unfortunately, this is back in the eighties before computers and iPhones and stuff like that. You know, since then, I, I've uh, found, I Googled the address, and uh, I know where it is. But um, it was uh, interesting going back to the orphanage. That was my main reason. 
and uh, it was, uh, I realized how lucky I am, you know, coming back. I realized how poor they were, and, you know, the orphanage was getting pretty run down since I've been there in the 80s, it is now moved. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, you know, it was quite an eye opener. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Do you um do you speak Cantonese or No, I don't. Um it's too bad I don't. I try taking a course on it and I fail mi- miserably. <laughs> I had for years people coming up to me um especially when I was first came here mm-hmm. back in the 70s and 80s I have people coming up to me and start talking Chinese to me mm-hmm. and even now I have people trying to talk Chinese to me and I say I, I really don't know how to speak Chinese mm-hmm. and one lady yelled at me and said well your parents should have taught you and I said well actually I was adopted well they still should have taught you you know <laughs> so, oh. how rude <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah oh well you know and um <clears throat> It's a very uh, difficult language to really learn how to speak mm-hmm. because they they talk in the back of their throat, but mm-hmm. we tend to talk with our tongue, you know, mm-hmm. with our s's and that stuff in front. Yeah. yeah, and that was the only time that you had gone back to Hong Kong. In yes, that was the only time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hadn't hadn't been back since. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. You no, know, I I did I did the usual, you know go to um, the Great Wall of China. I did the whole whole trip. It took mm-hmm. a, a lot, a long time and and went everywhere in Hong, you know, all through China and Hong Kong. It was a great trip. I loved it. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must be so interesting to, to have been born there and then mm-hmm. to, to a different country and then go back to like your birth country. That's... Well, I realized how Canadianized I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the food's different, as you know, mm-hmm. what they call Chinese food here is not the same as Chinese yeah. food there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, so I went over there, oh, this is Chinese food. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though when I left, I ate Chinese food and I spoke Cantonese, but it had been so many years. And of course, um, I didn't remember any of that. Yeah. And my my parents would take me to uh, a Chinese place down in Chinatown. It was called Lichi Gardens and uh, had been there for years. And, of course, the Chinese food we got there wasn't really – it was Chinese food, but not the Chinese food that you know it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, – and, of course, then after uh, a month of having rice, I realized that I'm really Canadian, that mm-hmm. I saw another bowl of rice when I got back. Yeah, <laughs> true. That's fair. I guess at that point you had been in Canada yeah. quite, yeah. but still quite so sometime. cool that you could, that you were four when you left and still were able to like remember streets and um, like the trees and things like that. It's so interesting. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting how I remember. I just remembered all that. It's just like, oh yeah, I know that building. And yeah, I remember that. And I would just point at different things that in the social work. Go, yeah, 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 you would remember that because of this. Mm-hmm. And so that's, um, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Going back and seeing that it felt familiar, you know, that feeling deja vu, like you, yeah. you've been there before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is it like to be both, I guess I kind of have a similar experience, but quite different, but mm-hmm. uh, what is it like to be both Chinese and Canadian and to kind of have both of those uh, cultures as part of you? Um, well, it's, it's, it's been really different. Um, so I grew up isn't in the West Way. So that's the West End of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was very, very wasp. There, mm-hmm. It wasn't until grade six, there was a Roman Catholic school that opened up around the corner. And, and that's when it, it became more open, which was great. And uh, so I was, I was teased quite a bit when I grew up. Um, it was, I was picked on quite a bit. It was, um, so it was, it was difficult. Like, you know, kids would say Chinese, Japanese, mm-hmm. Pekingese, you know, that kind of thing. And um, 
my brother, who was seven years, uh, I mean, five years older than me, uh, would protect me. And then he went off to grade uh, seven and eight and left the school. And then I was on my own. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, and, and if I met uh, people and I would introduce, this is my sister, and my brother, they would just look at me and say, well, was it the postman? Was it the mailman? Like, you know, why do you look so different? Hmm. And, and I would explain I was adopted and they'd kind of, oh, oh, okay. Because I wouldn't, exp- I would just say, this is my brother and this is my sister. And they would ask if, we, you know, my parents had been, you know, married before t- to somebody else or was it a divorce or was it? So I'd, I'd always have those questions all the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I couldn't just say, well, this is my brother, this is my sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say, well, I was adopted. And back in the 70s, even when you were dating, it wasn't, um, people didn't understand internet, like somebody adopted internationally. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, back then, if you were adopted, they, you know, if you had blonde hair, blue eyes, they would try to match somebody with you that had blonde hair, blue eyes. That's how mm-hmm. they matched them mm-hmm. to make it look um, like your family. Mm-hmm. So many times on the, when we go out, they, my parents were stopped a lot and they would say, oh, is this the little girl that we, is this your, you know, is this the little girl that we read about or is this, because uh, it was in the newspaper and so mm-hmm. they were interested to know how it happened. Mm-hmm. How do you think that impacted you, like always having to explain yourself? Well, you feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, you, um, yeah, you don't feel like you're, um, you know, yeah, you always feel different, mm-hmm. which is nowadays everybody wants to be unique and different. Mm-hmm. But, but when you're younger, you want to feel part of a group, right? You want to feel mm-hmm. you're like everybody else. You want to feel, you know, when you're, when you're uh, different, you feel like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, yeah, especially back then, like it wasn't yeah. common to like, you were the first yeah. one, the first, yeah. Uh, yeah. The first adoptee from a, a different country. So, mm-hmm. 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 yeah. So what um, advice would you give to someone who um, maybe adopted and, and looks different from their family? What would, what advice would you give to, to those people? I, I think the best advice I would give is what my parents did with me was they were very open. Mm-hmm. Even though we looked different when I was at home, it wasn't until I went to school that I realized how different I was. Mm-hmm. They were very open with me saying, um, you know, we, we are different. And I would say, oh, okay, I know. And I would just <laughs> run away like a little kid would. Um, they would, uh, I remember her trying to buy me uh, Chinese books and um, Chinese things. And I would just look at it and I'm, you know, I just say, well, why are you buying me this? But the fact that they were open enough and, and they kept every single paper and every single correspondent about the adoption which gave me an opportunity when I got older to look back at the information and the process they went through and how, how, you know, all the paperwork back and forth. Mm-hmm. I had a big binder of all this information and, and they were very open about it. And they never, and when I went back to uh, China, I think, you know, my mom was worried, mm-hmm. especially my mom because she, she they picked me up from the airport on the way back. And she said, she asked me, how did I feel? And, and I said, this is home for me. And she smiled. Mm-hmm. I think she was a little bit worried. And, um, and she was really happy. She gave me a big hug. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat. So I think that that can be a worry for people who adopt children that they 
will then try to find their own family and all the years of them nurturing them and bring them into the world that they might leave them. And I, I think if you're open with them, that that won't happen. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so like growing up, your parents tried to, you, you said like they bought you Chinese books and things like that. So mm-hmm. you tried to like ensure that your connection to your roots still was yes. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nice. And that, that's a, a good way to go, you think, for people who are... Yeah, to say, listen, you you are this way, and um, this is... They, and they would talk about it. They, wouldn't, they weren't shy about talking about it mm-hmm. and explaining and talking to other people and saying, you know, this, this is the experience we went through. And, and I know it was difficult for them because the language barrier was very difficult. Um, I didn't understand what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there's a few times that my parents were very frustrated and, and I could tell by, you know, my dad yelling at his face really, really red and, you know, the finger shaking. So I knew, you know, he was angry, but I didn't know what he was angry about. I just knew that he was angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I guess I can't do that again. Even though I had, had no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's so tough. Yeah. So the language barrier was when you adopt a child that is older, that, that is difficult. Mm-hmm. They already speak a different language. Mm-hmm. So if you come as an infant, it's different because you can start from day one. But yeah. if you're already four and a half, mm-hmm. uh, that that is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I already had bad habits, you know. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so I would hover over my food, and and I'd be, and my mom would say, "We're not going to take the food away from you, you know. Mm. Eat slowly." And it was, you know, you're in the orphanage, and if you ate really fast, then you knew that you'd get your food right. So, um, you know, so there was certain things that um, they had to break those habits. Mm-hmm. Um, every time they would pass me in the hall, I'd always bow at everybody. My mom would say, you don't have to bow every time, you know, you greet somebody. And I remember doing that. I remember mm-hmm. bowing every time. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I kind of had to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So you just, uh, so certain habits, yeah, you kind of had to break. Mm-hmm. You know, how to, how to eat with a knife and fork and how not to... Um, cover over your food and, and bring the plate up to your, 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 your face, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, their culture is different. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, you don't want any food spilling or anything like that. So but English culture, you, it's different because mm-hmm. we're, we, we're more brought up uh, in our manners, English. My mom was German. Mm-hmm. So um, she would make a lot of German food and she'd speak a lot of German and she would have the German radio on. And so when I left the house, I understood German more than I did Chinese. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so interesting. So many different cultures in that household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Hmm. So and I don't remember any German now, but at the time when I left the house, I remember that's I was 40 odd years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember much about the orphanage that you were at? No, I, I, I don't. Um, apparently I had, uh, I had seven roommates, I think it was mm-hmm. seven roommates. I, no, I don't, I don't remember the orphanage itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember like things look familiar. I remember, you know, just the building and being there. And um, I, I don't remember that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me the story of, of how you got to the orphanage? Well, I was found in an empty apartment by a policeman. I was apparently screaming my head off. Mm-hmm. And um, he then took me, they took me to uh story that I was told that they took me to 
the doctor and they said, well, she looks like she's about one and a half. And I didn't speak then. Mm -hmm. So they gave me the birthday, um, January 1st, 1959. Oh, wow. And uh, so then they took me to the orphanage. And um, that's when they gave me my name. Uh, it was Chow, which was a very common surname, and Chu Ping, which is a flowering pot. Mm. And they kept my adoptive parents kept my uh, middle name as Chu Ping. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's they wanted to keep that uh, that name, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then um, when my parents were going through the process of adopting me, they sent a picture of me to my parents, mm-hmm. and my parents said that they put the picture on the fridge, and they said they found love with me, and they said they have to adopt her. Mm-hmm. And so with that, then they sent me, the orphanage then sent me to a foster home. And um, they, um, their last name was, I, I think I've, if I'm correct, it was London, which was a very common um, mm-hmm. English name. And they wanted to see how it adapt to living with an English family. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in the foster family for a while and apparently I adapted quite well and then I then went back to the orphanage and then that's when Joyce Ireland who worked for the children's aid um, um, the children's welfare uh, department um, and that and she flew over to Hong Kong and that's when she got me and couple of other children and uh, flew over here hmm. that's so, so tough so to yeah. doing all that like back and forth and switching to different places and people mm-hmm. well it I guess they wanted to see how well I would adapt and mm-hmm. apparently I adapted quite well because I'm here <laughs> yeah. yeah so good it worked out um, I wonder yeah. what happened to the other people in the orphanage who you roomed with. I don't know. I I am in contact with um, a gal. Her name's Holly, and her parents had, I if I understand, saw the article and said they want to adopt a child too, hmm. and they contacted my father and. Um, she's she's younger than I am and they adopted her a few years later afterwards and we were able to hook up and and we're still friends now oh that's amazing yeah that's so So, cool which is really Mm -hmm. where does she live she lives in Calgary okay yeah wow that's so cool yeah Hmm. so that's kind of neat I haven't been able to there was a um Somebody was telling me there is a, uh, of course, now with Facebook and all that, there is uh, one section where these all these children that were adopted from that orphanage, but they're all they're all really super young, like a lot younger than I am. Oh, I see. Um, I don't know of any of them that were adopted at the same time as I I was. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That would be so I, cool to find them. I know. Well, I did the genealogy, you know, the 23andMe and mm-hmm. and the um, uh, the other one. And it was interesting. I did find a, a second cousin or something. Oh, wow. Uh, their father had, they live in the States, and their father had left Hong Kong and hasn't kept in touch with a family over in China in a long time. Mm-hmm. So they, they have no way of connecting, which is too bad because I would have, that was, that would be kind of neat to be able to connect somehow. Mm-hmm. But you, you have to remember back in those days, uh, little girls that got rid of pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a boy, they hung on to you. But if you're a little girl, they just, they didn't want you. Mm-hmm. They just 
which is which is too bad because they had me for a year and a half before they got rid of me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Do you wonder much about your biological parents? Oh yeah, I used to have all these kind of dreams, especially when you're going through your teenage years and mm-hmm. you feel really different and you're having difficulties and you're saying, oh, you know, I wonder what my parents are. Um, I remember having this one lady who's a uh, was my customer said oh i can take you back to hong kong and you know your mother was beautiful and she was tall and i thought oh my goodness she's talking about the right person i'm four foot eleven yeah it's funny how some I would, people, what, what is she talking about that lady i know what she talking about. how would she know <laughs> i don't know how would she know she said she paid for a plane ticket and I'll, I'll take you back and I'll show you where you're from and where your parents are. I go, uh, oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, how would you be able to do that woman? <laughs> I know. I know. Some hmm. people come up with all kinds of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so interesting and, and sad how they felt about girls back then in, in China. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people said to me, well, if you, if you stayed there, what do you think your life would be like? Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know. I'd probably have 10 kids and be working in the rice fields. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say what mm-hmm. my life would have been like. Um, because, you know, of course, Hong Kong and China have changed so much since then. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about almost 60 years ago. Um, um, so it's changed a lot. And uh, so... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I consider myself really lucky to be here. So mm-hmm. I don't know any other life. And I, if I look at everywhere else in the world, how things are going, especially with what's happening with the pandemic, mm-hmm. we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, they've, they've changed their ways. I obviously, right. Like about how they look at boys and girls. Oh yes, they have. Because there's so many, they got rid of all the girls, so many, that mm-hmm. there's too many boys now. Mm-hmm. And because there's so many boys, there are not enough girls. Mm-hmm. So they're, they've changed the policy now. Mm-hmm. Good. Oh, man, that's, that's such a wild policy. Yes. Yeah. Well, who knows how long the policy will be have changed and might change back again. Mm-hmm. Not. It's mm-hmm. culture, right? It's different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did, when you were thinking a lot about your biological parents when you were younger, how did you deal with those thoughts? Um, how did I deal with them? Well, it was, it was good to talk to other people that were also ad- adopted mm-hmm. and how they dealt with it and if they found their real parents and stuff like that. And, and I talked to my mom a lot about it. I talked mm-hmm. to her because she asked me, you know, do you, are you curious? And I, I, I said, of course, you know, you're curious because my, my adopted family were so different than I was. Mm-hmm. I was more artistic and um, more visual while my brother and sister are very academic mm-hmm. and very smart. And um, I was, you know, I could fix anything. I could look at it and fix it. It's very handy with my hands. And so we were very different that way. Mm-hmm. But they're wonderful people and I love them. Mm-hmm. We're very close now. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. That's good. It was the age difference that was, you know, different because when they were off dating and having fun, I was staying at home and I wanted to go and go out too. But I, you know, I was way too young, right? <laughs> You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever still wonder now about your biological parents? I, I don't think you ever stop wondering about it because you, I, I remember looking in the street and always looking at somebody and saying, well, do they look like me? Mm-hmm. You know, do they look like me? And only once was I crossing the street and there was a girl that was in the car and it was like looking in the mirror. And I remember just freaking out saying, oh, I wonder if she's, related to me and we and as she 
drove away, she kept on looking at me and I kept on looking at her. That was probably the closest I came to wondering uh, if that person was related to me. Because you always wonder, right? You always say, okay, is that person, you know, related to me somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's interesting. So, mm-hmm. What would you say to your parents if you were to ever meet them, your biological parents? Well, um, I guess the, the question that everybody always wants to know is why. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, as an adult, you understand a lot of the reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm older, I, I just, if I met them, they're probably not alive, but if I didn't meet them, um, they probably feel remorse that they were trying to find me. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever they did, they probably had the reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, you think, oh, you know, why would they leave me like that? That's terrible, you know, it's a horrible thing to everyone leave your child. But I'm sure they had me for a year and a half, so it was probably very heartbreaking, and, mm-hmm. you know, trying for them to do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's amazing to have that empathy for them now, to be able to look back and be like, understanding or trying to understand of where they were coming from? Um, Well, it's because um, as a hairstylist, I have a lot of clients who have been adopted. I've been able to talk to a lot of my clients and find out what they've gone through. And and some of them have found their parents and some of their stories have been not so good. Mm -hmm. And some of the stories have been really great. So I, you know, I think until you've walked in their shoes, you really, you, you can't, you can't say, mm-hmm. you know, and it is, and I think it's, it helps that I had such a great family to be adopted into. If I didn't, I'd probably be different in that way. So having a great family, regardless of how they, the reasons for them leaving me or not, I would say, well, you know, that's your reasons. But, you know, my life is really great now because of this great family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. What's it like knowing that you're the first international adoptee in Ontario? What's it like knowing? Um, hmm. I probably didn't know it until I was like older. I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. I knew I was different, um, hmm. but I, I didn't really. I, I, I think it was probably difficult for my parents because there was no adoption agency to say, okay, this is the way you got to do it. And it's, mm-hmm. Here's the, here's the support for you, and you know, this is what you should do. So they they basically had to learn it. There was no book written on it. Mm-hmm. So for them, it was, I think, difficult for them. You know, um, there was lots of frustration on both ends. The language barrier, like I said, was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, in grade two, because... So, you know, I arrived here when I was four and a half, and then I went to kindergarten. As soon as I, you know, I arrived here, and of course, everybody already spoke English quite well. And, and of course, you go into grade one, and you start to print. And I was just learning how to speak the language. And grade two, you know, you're starting to learn to write. And, of course, with the language difficulty, I couldn't even see the board and I failed grade two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually a teacher who said, do you realize that Susie needs glasses? <laughs> and, and I was sitting in the back of the class and I couldn't, I couldn't see anything. And I didn't, I didn't understand enough to explain. I can't see. And mm-hmm. so um, of course, then I got glasses and then I was okay after that. Mm-hmm. But um, so that language, thing was very difficult I, mm-hmm. I found it very difficult mm-hmm. personally yeah and, like, how could yeah. you not 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, and when you grow older, you know, even dating was difficult too. Because mm-hmm. people expect you to be traditional Chinese and thought you were traditional and you're not. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one guy said to me, he goes, um, are you going to cook me some Chinese food? And I said, well, I, I, I don't cook Chinese food. He says, what do you people eat? I go, what do you mean? What, what do you people eat? Well, isn't that what you eat? I go, no, I was adopted. Don't you understand what that means? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and I, I remember this other guy who said, are you going to walk on my back for me? I said, no, no, I, I don't do that. Wasn't well, that what you people do? I go, no, no, we don't. We don't walk on each other's back. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> no, we don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, I thought that's what you people do. No, we don't. Oh, I thought you could walk on my back for me. No, no, I don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, just strange things, comments that people would say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are dingbats. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, they, they were a lot more naive back then mm-hmm. um, because even when you said the word adoption, like I said, if they, if you were adopted, they would adopt you if you have blonde hair, blue eyes. So mm-hmm. I think they assumed that I was adopted into another Oriental family mm. and uh, not understanding that they were not Oriental. They were English and German. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what, uh, I think that's what confused them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Such an interesting mm-hmm. experience to navigate. Yeah, it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adoption, obviously, today is very different than it was. Yes. When you yes. were adopted, that being the first person in Ontario. So, um, yeah, international adoption is much more common. Just wondering, like, what your thoughts are now on the whole world of adoption today? Well, it certainly is much more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's much more the... The support system is certainly much better than my parents had. Mm-hmm. Um, they have groups of people that get together and they share experiences and they need help and and that really is is really good too. And my parents had nobody to fall on really, mm-hmm. which was um, which was un- unfortunate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and also I had nobody to fall on either. So if I was having difficulties or they were having difficulties, we both have the same issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, so those, those things were, I think were, are so much better now than when my parents were first started doing it. Mm-hmm. The support system is just huge now. Mm-hmm. True. And and the knowledge that's out there now, you know, this is the way you sh- you can do this, and, and there's people to help you to guide you through that. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that you could go over and you could meet your child and spend time with your child. Well, basically, the first time I met my my parents was right at the airport here in Toronto and they hand me right over and here, here she is. <laughs> mm, gosh, it's such a shock to yeah. the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apparently I, my sister was telling me that when I kept on looking at them and, and looking at them and then I, I, when I, they got me home, they tried to coach me down to the, the bedroom with my bedrooms down the hall. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just said that I pulled up my dress and showed my underwear because apparently I don't wear underwear in China. They don't wear underwear. <laughs> my, my frilly underwear, I was showing it. And uh, I was very proud of them. And, and, then, <laughs> and then the next so day, <laughs> the next day, um, I remember my mom telling me that <clears throat> she poured orange juice. And I would, 
I would drink the orange juice and I would look in the glass and she'd pour me some more and, and I'd drink the orange juice really fast and I'd look in the glass and she would pour me more. Mm-hmm. And to get seconds or you know, was 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 like different. Like I was a I was like twenty two inches when I came here. Like I was a size of a a two year old apparently. Oh wow. I'm not very I'm not very tall now. I'm only four eleven, but mm-hmm. um I was quite tiny. And but interesting enough, when they took me to the dentist for the first time, <clears throat> the dentist looked in my mouth and he said, Oh, I think she might be older because her back molars Oh really the way they're in. So I have no idea how old I am. Oh my gosh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was the dentist said, oh, I think she might be older. It's the way her back molars are in. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. And when was that that you went to the dentist and he said that? I think when I first arrived. Hmm. You know, they, I did the whole check. You know, they do the whole, oh, we better take her here and for the annual check. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, so who knows how old I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious because people always say, well, when were you born? Let me do your, read, read your cards or read your horoscope. And I said, well, you can't do that with me. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not around. Or... So that's always, you know, always interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I, it sounds like your parents, like, despite not having the supports that are available now, it, it sounds like they they did a good job of figuring things out. And it, it seems like communication was, like, the biggest kind of key for everything. Huge. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. <clears throat> and, you know, they, you know, my mom said years later, she said, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. And we both did. You know, we both did major mistakes I was not the greatest teenager in the whole world and mm-hmm. and uh trying to find myself and feeling really different and difficult at school you know one girl used to beat me up off 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 school and steal my lunch oh and, uh, my God. I, I dated this my first guy that I dated he I, I was crazy about him and his friends uh said well you shouldn't be dating her. She's Chinese. And so he, he left me because of uh, me being Chinese. So oh my God. Um, yeah. I found years later and I was pretty devastated about that. Mm-hmm. So there was, there's, you know, different things that you go through. Um, be, you know, people being back in the seventies, that's the way it was. Right. Mm-hmm. It was, it was different. Mm-hmm. Toronto was different. Yeah. Toronto's so much better now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> much more diversified and much more uh, cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. We're lucky. Yeah, a hundred percent, definitely mm-hmm. better than how it sounded back then. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, advice for people who are adopting? Well, I would say. Be open. Keep the communication open. Um, I know the one difficulty my my parents did have was because of the communication was difficult. They probably weren't as open with me, and uh, so like my I know that my mom was my dad were much closer to my brother and my sister because the communication was, was open and we had much more in common in that way. Mm-hmm. Now, later on, as, as an adult, it was different. But as a child, I think it's, it's difficult to have that communication. And uh, that, was, that was the key thing. Mm-hmm. I think if, uh, if I was going to give any advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about for people who have been adopted? What kinds of things would you tell them? 
um, in the sense of surviving it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry. In, yeah. yeah. In the sense of getting through all those struggles and and being able to deal with how tough it can be. I think if you talk to other adoptees, that helps a lot. Because uh-huh. you will feel different. You will feel you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And your brain doesn't function the same way as their brain. Um, talking about it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I think. If I hadn't been a hair hairstylist, I think I would have been a different person. But being a hairstylist and, and you know, in our business, we talk to people. So being able to talk to people really helps. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a situation where you're adopted and you're finding it really difficult, talk to somebody who's also been adopted. Mm-hmm. Find out what their struggles are. They're having trouble communicating with their parents. You know, you have to know that it, it's, that's, that's normal. If you're feeling different than your siblings, that is normal. And, and the, and if your siblings all seem to be, you know, getting along and laughing and then they're looking at you and like you're wondering why you're not getting it or why you're not getting the marks like they are, why, you know, schooling isn't as, as easy for you as they are for them. Just know that, you know, it's okay to be different. And it's it's okay to feel different and that when you get older, it'll be nice to know that you are an individual and that you, you whatever struggles you have, you can also then in turn help whoever it is that is going have gone through the same thing as you. Hmm. That's very nice. I like that a lot. And I feel like it's nice too for, for people nowadays, like to find that community of, other adoptees if if that's what you're looking for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah see I I still other than Holly um we touched on a little bit I really and other than some of my clients I and uh, a couple of other people I really haven't talked to anybody that um about their struggles like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, you, everybody has struggles, even if you're not adopted. So <laughs> being adopted on top of that is, yeah. you know, can, be, can be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool that through your work, you've been able to find people who you can connect with on this topic. Yes, yeah, which, which helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like hair styling sounds like the perfect job for you. Like you're able to connect with people and connect with other adoptees. And then like Mm -hmm. you were saying before, like you were artsy and doing things Mm -hmm. with your hands. Mm -hmm. And you did my dad's hair. So that's how we were able to meet. (laughs) I know. It's great. Mm -hmm. I know. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's really great. Mm -hmm. So it's just, um, it's, uh, it's been a very interesting life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, definitely. I, you know, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you know, I've had you know difficulties with many things in in life. You know, communication was probably the main main thing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's that's the key, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds sounds like communication. Yeah, has been the key for you and I feel like for for most people that's like a good takeaway is that communication everything communication Mm -hmm. because once you have the communication I think you have uh it's 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 easier because then you understand Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and that can I feel like that can be applied for everything in the world well that's true that's true Mm -hmm. absolutely that's true yeah yeah Cool. Well, this, I feel like, has been one of the most interesting podcast episodes that I've had, for sure. This is super interesting conversation. 
But I don't want to take up too much of your time. We've already gone for an hour, although I feel like I can oh my God. keep what? asking you questions. I'm so interested. Um, but yeah, I don't want to go too over with the time. So um, No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I you know, one of these days we can talk about other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to come with my uh, dad. He gets a haircut. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you the other side of my story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before we kind of wrap up, is there anything yeah. that you wanted to add or talk about at all? Only that I feel really, really lucky. Mm-hmm. I just feel very blessed that I'm here and that I'm. I have I have a great family, great friends. I have um, a terrific husband. You know, I have a, a great job, great friends at work. So I'm in in that way. I'm I'm really um, I'm really lucky, and not everybody can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I I can just say is that if you're struggling. Just have to be open because I've had many years of struggle, gone through a lot of relationships, trying to find sort of peace. And that's what you want. You want peace. You want to know that you belong. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the reason why a lot of people go back and want to find their parents and want to do this and want to do that is they want to feel they belong with somebody or belong, be part of a group. Uh, And I think this pandemic has taught me that, you know, we are, we are lucky. We are really, really lucky. Mm -hmm. And just to appreciate what you have. Be lucky that you, um, with, with the people that have adopted you, maybe you might not get along really well or things not might be as perfect as you might think it is at the time, but they did it with good intentions and they're trying and it will be tough. But when you're an adult, you'll understand that, you know, it, it, it'll mold you to who you are today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just have two more questions that I've been asking sure. everybody because um, mm-hmm. the podcast is called mm-hmm. Learn With Love. So I'm trying to encourage people to just continue learning throughout their whole lives um, and okay. learn from other people, learn from conversations like this one. Um, yeah. So the first question is, what is something you've been learning lately? Um, just about being adopted or just to do life? Just, just in life in general. I've been learning to um, appreciate the simple things. Because when things are taken away from you, like <clears throat> life has has been now, um, can't go out, can't, can't. You know, the simple thing is just hugging somebody, mm-hmm. something that you took for granted. And I'm I'm a big hugger. Like I always love, love giving people hugs, and and now I can't hug anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Well, except for my husband, and um, but even my immediate family, I I don't hug. So mm-hmm. to just appreciate the simple things in life. Like giving somebody a hug. It's huge. Yeah. That's a good one for sure. Definitely Mm -hmm. agree with that. Yeah. Um, And then the last question is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? Biggest lesson is to... Is no matter what life um, throws at you, is don't be angry and don't be upset. You have to understand that anything that's happened in your past has made you to who you are today. Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't adopted, I'd be a different person because I'd be living over there and <clears throat> I'd be somebody else and I'd be a totally different person. And because of being adopted, has brought me to where I am today and to the person I am today. Mm-hmm. And 
So whatever's thrown at you through your life, as difficult it might seem at the time, it it's it's molding you into the person you are today. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very true. I like that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you get older, it it it'll make sense looking back. Yes, it does. Yeah, because you know when when you're when your parents are yelling at you and you get caught, you know, stealing candy at the drugstore and you don't understand you're stealing, you just think, oh, this is nice. <laughs> you don't speak any, you don't speak any, you know, English properly and you think, oh, this is nice. <laughs> you know, so, oh, okay. So you're not supposed to take that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Every, everything's a lesson. <laughs> everything's a lesson, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. This conversation has been amazing. So, so interesting. Well, it was great talking to you. I would love to meet you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to meet you too in person. I honestly, yeah. the next time my dad gets a haircut, I'm going to come with him. <laughs> okay. Okay.